If only they knew the hub for young business minds. Welcome back to another episode of the If Only They Knew podcast. Today, I'm joined by Carrie Rose, co-founder of Rise at Seven. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Sun shining, been busy, but yeah, it's good. Good. <laughs> I, I thought I'd keep the intro uh, nice and brief because you do you do quite a lot and you've achieved lots of good things. So it'll be good to sort of dive deeper into that a bit later on. But yeah. let's start off just to sort of, we didn't actually mention this uh, when you logged on, but this is the first time we've spoken properly. Um, and yeah. we did, I think I reached out to you when we applied for The Apprentice, wasn't it? In 2018, I think. 18, something like that. Yeah. yeah. God, it feels like so long ago. Um, but yeah, I reached out to you then. I don't know if you remember this. And I, I think you posted, oh, I'm a, I've uh, got an audition. So I reached out saying, oh my God, I've got an audition too. Like, good luck. Let me know how it gets on. Um, so yeah, I think that's how we sort of started off. So it's, it's finally good to sit down and have a chat with you. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Because I remember you kind of saying like, good luck. And like, do you know anything about the process? And we'd both been like Googling it. Um, but no, yeah, I definitely remember you. <laughs> No, it's good. I've, I've sort of, uh, naturally, I followed you. So I've been seeing your progress over the, the I think, couple of years, I guess it was, or a year and a bit anyway. Yeah. So we'll get into that a bit later on. But if you don't sure. mind setting the scene, telling the people who you are. Sure. Um, Carrie Rose, um, 26-year-old. I um, live up in the north. But I spend probably half my time all over the shop um, because, um, obviously, started up my own agency, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, just um, normal girl from originally from Lincolnshire, um, so very kind of country girl, small town, um, basic upbringing, um, normal school life, I guess. Well, let's talk about then, if you don't mind, like a bit, a bit yeah, about sure. the school. Um, we've got a lot to get into, um, but if you don't mind, I always say it's always important to sort of set the scene with who someone is, look at their past. Um, so yeah, if you don't mind, what was school like? Was you good? Did you know what you wanted to be when you was a bit older? Did you have any passions? Um, if I'm completely honest, I was a bit of a, I was not naughty, but I was definitely cheeky. I was the cheeky girl in class causing all the troubles, like making everybody laugh. Like I had like a dedicated seat, like facing the blank wall and I weren't allowed to turn around. I was, I was that kid. <laughs> um, I think maybe a bit of a center of attention kind of kid. Um, the school that I went to, um, you know, when every school has like a specialism, whether it's like tech or art or whatever. So my school had a specialism in performing arts. And I guess um, I loved, you know, performing and dance and drama and stuff. But I was definitely more of like somebody that came up with cool ideas and visual like ideas. So I guess when I was at school, I always wanted to be a producer or a presenter. Like, I, like my dream was like a Channel 4 presenter or something like that. That was like my dream or creating movies as like a movie producer. Um, so I kind of used to kind of spend most of my school time doing that and I'd skip science and maths to be able to go and, you know, do drama and plays, etc. Um, but yeah, I was, I was definitely the cheeky one, laughing, etc. Um, I was quite clever at school. So I was the lucky kid at school that did really well in the grades, but was naughty in class. Yes, and everyone's like, how she done that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, how she done that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I didn't revise or anything. Um, I was just lucky. I think I was a bit of a sponge, but I'm definitely not book smart. I wouldn't say I was book smart. I was more just kind of street smart. Um, yeah, but you knew how to tick the boxes and the exams and stuff, I guess. Like you knew how to sort of get by. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And my mum taught me that. So I guess none of our family um, are that smart, really. My sister was. My sister was quite clever. She went to like a grammar school, etc. But um, yeah, my mum taught us how to be street smart and make educated guesses and kind of wing your way through life in a, in a way. And I was a bit that. I was a bit of a blagger. Um, so yeah, that, that was me at school. Did you have any like business people in your family? Like, what was it that sort of made you think I'm going to set up a business? Like, what what? Was there, like, was your siblings, entrepreneurs, parents, like, what was it? Yeah, no, none, none at all. So, um, complete normal family, I guess. Um, no entrepreneurs in the family. Um, my mum was, she did, like, international sales um, for uh, kind of like a fashion retailer, really. Um, they did, like, fashion and different accessories, basically. Um, she was back and forth to America quite a lot, doing it in sales and stuff. And my dad, um, he did all sorts. He was mainly kind of like a a laborer um, in short. Um, so yeah, absolutely normal family, no entrepreneurs or anything like that. But I think if you kind of rewinded to when I was a kid, I never really had it in my mind to start up a business. Um, I had a lot of dreams. I knew where I wanted to be. I knew kind of that I wanted to be successful and I knew that I wanted, um, I don't know, to go a bit far in life. I just didn't know what. Um, I kind of None of my family went to university or anything like that but me. So I was like the first in the family to go to uni. And I remember going into my mum's um, bedroom and saying to her, oh, mum, I really want to go to uni. Like, I didn't really know what uni was or wh what I'd do or anything like that. And she kind of looked at me like, really? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, how do I get there? Like, what do I do? <laughs> um, and luckily, I passed all my grades and I got like A's and B's and stuff. So I was just lucky that I was clever and I just got in. So... It's kind of, I feel very lucky. I always say that I'm that person that might win the lottery one day because I'm that lucky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I obviously I had some sort of headstrong. I knew where I was going. I just didn't know when or where to get there. But I ended up, yeah, I ended up getting there. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well then fast, fast forward a few years, obviously we mentioned a, a year and a bit ago or two years ago, you then yeah. applied for The Apprentice. So if you don't mind telling us a bit about that um, and how that went. Yeah, sure. So um, basically graduated from uni, worked in um, a marketing agency in Leeds because um, I went to a university in Leeds. So I just stayed in Leeds. Um, loved it there as a city and um, really loved my job, became really good at it. So I progressed real fast. I became like a campaign leader, basically. I, I was running campaigns with some of the biggest brands like um, GHD I've worked on and Claire's Accessories and all sorts like that, really. And I was like, I'm not good at it. Like, sure, I can start a business in this, but I just didn't know where to start again. Like, so I had all good ideas and a lot, a lot of drive, but I didn't know where to start. And everyone said to me, Carrie, you need to go on the apprentice. Like, you're pure entertainment. Like, I was bubbly. Like, you need to go on it. It's like the perfect show for you. And obviously, it's the end result of what I wanted. I wanted to start up and like start my own business. So I applied, applied for the apprentice and got invited to an audition, um, which is good. Apparently, there's like 40-odd thousand people or something that apply. Yeah, so to get an audition itself is hard. Um, yeah, went through the audition process. I think it was like, what, like three stages, something like that. Did you get through to the first audition stage? Uh, no, I got halfway through the first audition stage. So I didn't get far at all. Ah, oh, I see, I'm, yeah. I think there is three, right? Yeah, I think it was three, something like that. Um, it was quite lengthy. Do you know what it was? Physically draining and mentally draining. Um, the process is quite tough. I'm not sure how, how much I'm allowed to say, but I'll say, but um, 
yeah, you kind of went through several processes, very kind of brutal as well. Like you, there was one where you had to like stand up against 20 people and you all had a number and they would say, okay, number seven, go. And you had to basically persuade them in 60 seconds why you should go through the door and not the others. Yeah. And they literally chose one person and said, right, you're in, you're, the rest go home. So it was very brutal. Um, and there was a lot of like psychological tests in a way, you know, like ask you certain questions and they wanted to get to know you as a person. But I've flown through the stages um, all the way to the final one, really, um, and then didn't get through. Um, I was gutted because I met all of the guys and the girls from the show. And I, do you know what's interesting, actually? Because I've, I've made good friends with people like Dean. And I remember when I walked into the room, I spotted Dean instantly. And I, I don't know what it is about him. He had this like smooth kind of... I don't know, just suave look about him. And he was sat there with his legs open, you know, like real kind of like cocky. And I, was, and I looked at him and kind of like gave him a bit of a wink as in like, you've got this, like I can see you're playing a character right now and you're owning it basically. You were, I felt as if like he owned the room. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was an interesting process, but you could see straight away who's going to get through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the process was really fun. Oh, I'd do it again, 100%, just cause like, I got to meet some amazing people. But People say, oh, why do you think you didn't get through? And I was like, I don't really know because I definitely played up a character myself. I, I was bubbly, I was like a bit crazy, maybe um, a bit out there. But I, if I'm honest, the, one of the final stages is talking through your business plan. So you actually have to kind of say, you know, what your business is, how much money do you expect to make in year three and how many staff, blah, blah. And I don't know if I overplanned. I don't know if I was too organized and I kind of had a set business. It's like when he was quizzing me, it was like a financial advisor guy. And um, he was quizzing me about my business plan. And I remember he's, he's like, oh, I don't really know what to say. Like, you seem like you've got it all together. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, maybe I'm too overplanned. <laughs> so that could have been a reason. But yeah, it was good. It was, it was fun. Yeah, it was definitely intense. I think the first day I was there for literally about seven hours, like the first time I applied. Yeah. Yeah, it was long, weren't it? Then the second time I applied it, I was probably there for about 40 minutes. Like, yeah. that's how, like I literally walked in and like the main auditorium, which was packed before, on the mm -hmm. second time was just empty. Walked in and then it was like, yeah, come straight through. Like I went straight up by myself. They put me through it. And then, yeah, like 40 minutes, it was over and done with. But on yeah. the, like you said, you saw Dean. I also saw Ryan Mark and Karina. Um, uh, nice. I spoke to Karina. Uh, spoke briefly to Ryan Mark and if I remember correctly he had a, a folder with him literally about that big like must have been full of his business plan so uh, that, that's what makes you think I don't know whether I don't know I don't know what how they sort of decide people because he seemed over prepared like with his like briefcase um so yeah I'd love I'd love to know how they sort of decide who, who gets on it, it is it is bizarre 100% and it, what's interesting for me because I'm not going to name the name but there was a certain character that I remember thinking they are never going to get on and they got on and I was like sure how <laughs> and I was and what I think is that contrast like you've got to think they kind of have to tick off the boxes I guess is like they need a what a, a loud mouth female maybe um somebody that's maybe a bit kind of like posh and brought up well and then somebody that's maybe a bit you know, down to earth kind of council estate kid. Like everyone has to play a character and I think you have to choose what your character is and own it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Cause they only need one of them basically. So it is interesting to observe stuff like that. And 
yeah, so I'd, I'd definitely advise anyone that's thinking about applying to apply and give it you all, um, stand out, make yourself stand out. And don't think it's all about your business idea because it's not, it's all about the personality, 100%. Mm. Well, like you said, you sort of uh, got turned down, I guess, uh, at the audition, yeah. like, much like me. So welcome to the club. <laughs> and, <but laughs> within, a, like, was it seven months, like less than a year, you built like a, a massive company, didn't you? So if you don't mind telling us a bit more about that. Sure. So literally, I would say four weeks after I got the kind of decline, um, I basically got an offer of a private investor um, somebody that had watched me in my career um, and seen my work and things like that, just purely through social media um, and stuff like that and working with them in the past on some of their businesses. And they said, oh, I know that you applied for the, um, the Apprentice because I spoke to them about it and you didn't get on, but what about if I offered you some investment and to give this a good shot? And I was like, Jesus, I said, this might be my opportunity. And... I kind of took it up straight away. I just said, yeah, um, I'd already got my business plan. I'd already kind of done um, a market analysis. I knew the market, I knew competitors. I knew what my business would be to stand out amongst everybody else. Um, and one thing that I was a bit nervous about though is this person that offered me the investment hadn't got any experience or anything to add. So they would be a silent investor. So it's not like they come in and kind of be a business partner. I was a bit nervous going on my own. Um, I was thinking, okay, I want a business partner to do this with me to really go big. I wanted, I wanted to go big. And the company that I've launched now has got two sides to it. And I kind of, I owned one side and I needed somebody to own the other really um, from like a skill set point of view. So I actually spoke to one of the directors from the company that I worked at. Um, he was one of my idols. I, I, lo I literally looked up to him. He's a genius. And I said, I've got this opportunity. Um, I've got a business plan. Um, he actually helped me put the business plan together for The Apprentice because I told him about it. And he gave me some advice about the industry. And I said, are you interested? And at the time, his wife had fell pregnant, um, like three months pregnant, something like that. They'd just bought a house, you know, chilling out, put the feet up. And he'd said no. And I was like, what? He was oh, like, no. oh, like I can't, like, you know, I've just kind of settled down. This is my settle down period. Um, and then, so I was a bit gutted and I was a bit lost thinking, should I go on my own? Should I do it? Well, two weeks later, he called me back up. He said, you know that offer? I said, oh yeah. He went, should we start tomorrow? I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, we went for it. And from, in the space of him saying, let's do it, I'd say it took us five weeks to, go and we built our own website. We just did it ourselves. We just got it on WordPress. Um, we had a few contacts that we said, do you want to come with us? You know, like a cat, clients. Um, so I, I did a bit of freelance on the side, like small bits. Um, and I took them with us very, very small. So in terms of retainer, like two grand's worth of revenue. So um, literally was not earning any money to keep us going really. And the investment that we got was not big. It weren't millions or anything like that. It was relatively small, um, but it was security to start us up. Um, and yeah, we just kind of went and from the space of launching with one account, spent, like giving us, paying us two grand a month, um, we won um, Misguided. We won, um, who did we win after that? Uh, a Forex trading company in London, um, huge account for us. We then won Go Compare, Cath Kidson, you name it. It's all just flown. Um, so we've been going for about 10 months now. Um, we went from just me and him to, I think we've got like 22 staff. Um, in, and it's only been 10 months and we've got an office in Sheffield and London 
and we're just growing it in an insane rate. And our first year will end in June, and I think we're expected to hit about 1.2 million. We've hit a million already, so we're at 1.2 million. So yeah, roller coaster year, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't say this often, but I think that is actually like an amazing story. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and no, I really like well done. Like honestly, it's amazing. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about all the other amazing things you've done a bit later on. But I think you mentioned there about the process with it just being like almost the two of you with a, a silent investor. I think it'd be good to sort of tap into that process and obviously reveal what you want and however much or as little as you like. But it'd be good to sort of understand how that process worked. Like it was literally just the two of you, right? So like yeah. you, half the workload, how did it sort of work? Yeah, so um, one thing that somebody once told me, and I thought it was one of the wisest things that someone ever said, and it was like, if you're ever going to partner up with someone in a business, you need to choose someone that's the exact opposite to you. Mm. So that's skill sets that you don't have. So what you need to do is write down everything that you're awesome at and everything that you're not awesome at, um, and you basically find someone to fill that gap. And that's exactly what I did. So with me, like I'm a female, very bubbly, very kind of creative, got good ideas, very personable. Whereas the guy that I partnered up with, um, he's very quiet, introvert, um, technical minded. Um, he, he's very kind of numbers and operations focused. I'm not operations focused at all. So we bounced off each other. So um, in terms of the workload, we very quickly made sure that we both knew this part is your responsibility, this part is mine. So I look after the marketing of the business, the kind of internal culture, a lot of the new business and sales, whereas he works, looks after finance, operations, um, the technical, the website, um, things like that. Um, so yeah, we bounced off each other, it was amazing. But that was amazing advice to be given because I think what a lot of people look for when you're partnering up in a business is someone similar to you that you can get along with, but I, I would actually advise the opposite. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good point. I've definitely taken that on board because I, I'm sort of looking to expand. And yeah, I think naturally you, you're attracted to people who are similar to you. So I'm like, yeah. right, I need a marketing person, preferably from London, like all yeah. these things. Like I'm basically listing myself and it's like, no, listening to you, yeah. scrap that. I need someone like north of the country, like complete opposite to me in every single way. Like just, yeah, it makes sense. Um, absolutely yeah and one so, someone actually said to me like when we went in for our, one of our first new business pitches it was just me and him he's called Stephen and me and Stephen went into the pitch and people used to call us like Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing and we bounced off each other in that way and I don't know if the kind of male and female variant worked um, but it seems to for us people liked because I'm the bubbly person, I kind of sold the dream to clients. I was like, you know, we can do this, we can do that, and this is how we do it. And then because it was so dreamlike, they needed to be brought down to reality. And like, so how much money is that going to make me? And they'd look to Stephen and he would go, several million. Like, yeah. so it's kind of like we both had that like levels. That, and then they both said, yeah. And then it, it worked really well for us in that way. Definitely. It sounds good. So it, Actually, what is the business? For those that don't know, if you don't mind putting them in the picture, like you obviously told about the process, but what is the business? What do you get up to on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, sure. I know it's so confusing. Basically, I own Rise at Seven. Rise at Seven are a creative SEO agency. And for anybody that doesn't really understand what SEO is, it's 
is basically when you're Googling for a holiday or to buy a car or to, you know, buy some sneakers, the first website that comes up, we, we get people to rank in Google. And there's so many ways to do that. So our specialisms are um, technical SEO, so everything from kind of the website code to writing content for a website to digital PR um, and, in, and bits of social media as well. So anything kind of digital marketing is, is what we do. Um, my experience in my kind of side of the company is the digital PR, the social media, the creative, whereas he is more the website technical. Um, so that, that is rise at seven. So how, how do you make SEO creative? Because I know for some people, especially if you're not involved in marketing, it, it does seem a bit like just another process. But uh, uh, to make it creative, is it the things you mentioned there, like all wrapped up into one or how, how do you sort of do that? Exactly it. So it's combining them both together. So a lot of agencies historically are either really good at technical SEO or really good at creative. So you have your big kind of, I don't know, is it Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, for an example, are a advertising agency in London. Well, they're all over the world, actually. And they're the ones that do like the John Lewis campaigns um, at Christmas. So they're a creative, but if you speak to them about SEO, they have no idea. So that's where we actually spotted the gap in the market that there, was a, there weren't an agency out there that was just a good uh, creative and content and digital PR as there was at technical SEO. So we combined them together. Um, so it's coming up with campaign ideas that's going to drive traffic to the website, that's going to drive authority for Google, because ultimately that's what Google's looking out for. It's for good content on a website. It's kind of noise-led stories um that's going to drive traffic and authority so it's tying all of that together to to own it really so yeah L last sort of technical point what what is digital <laughs> pr as well and then we'll talk about why all of those things are so important but for those that don't know if you don't mind digital yeah PR, what is it <laughs> digital pr so when we talk about PR, which is just normal PR, um, that's getting a brand talked about in the press and on social media. So it's getting a brand talked about, whether that's McDonald's or KFC, and they do campaigns and stunts to get them talked about. However, digital PR is getting them talked about online as well as being linked to. So links, um, when we talk about a link, um, it's when, say if the Lad Bible, say if Lad Bible are talking about this crazy thing that McDonald's are doing, they often can talk about them, but if they link to McDonald's website, that is a signal to Google that McDonald's are an authority in what they do. So it's exactly that. So we try to get as many links to our clients' websites because Google then rank them higher on Google for amount of links that they have in the most simplest way to explain that. Um, but yeah, so digital PR is generating noise and stories online to get links and traffic to a website. And then why, why is all of that as a package? Why is that so important? And a uh, bit of a, a, a dumbed down question perhaps, but what, how does that sort of apply to every business and is it, is it sort of needed for every single business? Um, needed for every single business, um, not needed right now and um, for every, but I would say at least 96% um, of the world, most definitely, especially during, so everyone needs to be online now, whether you make candles, whether you, I don't know, work in Forex trading, or I don't know, whether you have, I don't know, trying to sell car insurance, whatever it is, you need a website. Um, and the high street is dying, it's declining. So one of our clients, for an example, is Kath Kidson. And I don't know if you saw in recent headlines, Kath Kidson, the 
went into administration, but what they've actually done is closed all of their high street stores. They can't keep them open. They haven't got enough money to. So everyone's like, okay, like let's sell of all, all of our products online on their website, but no one can find it. If you Google things that they're trying to sell, like, I don't know, aprons, they sell aprons. Or if you type in handbags, Cap Kidson doesn't come up. So the idea is that people come to us because they want their website to come up and sell. They need to sell, they need to sell products. So yeah, it's, I think SEO now is the leading market and industry for every single business. Um, we SEO lead every single marketing team now. The budgets are in the billions um, across the world. Um, and yeah, it's, it's something that every business now is, is making a focus and investing in. So yeah, that's why I thought that's, that's where I'm going to make some money. <laughs> forgive me if this is a stupid question and if i've missed something but what what does rise at seven mean like what how did that name come about because i get that a lot with my brands how did the name come yeah. about for you how, how, how about you so in what we do so seo when i whenever i speak about it, it's like my mum or whatever um they're like what's seo it's very geeky it's very <laughs> kind of boring like no one really cares about it and um I do like I, I love I love what I do um, I used to work at a company called branded three which did exactly the same thing as what we do today um, at rise and I loved my job I absolutely love my job I used to work I used to drive from Lincolnshire to Leeds every day which took me about two hours um, just to go to work because I love my job that much like it was the culture it was the people the reward so when you do something and you see yourself go up on Google and you're number one and you're driving millions in revenue it's rewarding. So I loved my job and I wanted to duplicate that exact same feeling at my own business. So, um, we created rise at seven. Well, the reason I included the number seven, I wanted something around the number seven because number seven is my lucky number. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy or whatever, but everything good happens to me on seven. My birthday's on the 17th. Um, like everything's just number seven. So, and it's kind of like, you first awake in the morning, 7am, you get up, you love your job, you've got a lot of energy, you're the first to do it kind of thing. So Rise at 7 was called that for those reasons. Um, it's just it kind of oozes positivity and energy and that's what I wanted to create an agency to do really. No, I love that. And you mentioned some big names in amongst that as well, uh, some of the clients you've had on. Um, but also just naturally, again, like as I said, as I've been following you for the past year and a bit, I've yeah. seen like so many viral things that, you or definitely the company have sort of been behind and it's quite weird to say oh my god that's the person behind the curtains that's making it work like i know a lot of people listening to this if, especially if you're on twitter you would have seen the asos girl which is obviously yeah. referred to um and she works for you right am i, am I right yeah saying? yeah so she didn't before and we because she went viral and she was actually studying um marketing at uni at the time and i said um, what do you want to do when you graduate? She was like, oh, I don't really know. Like, I want to work in marketing. You didn't really know what you want to do when you graduate. I mean, it's a bit lost. And straight away, I said, well, I want to hire you. Um, and yeah, as soon as she came, like, graduated, she came and joined us. So yeah, the ASOS campaign. <laughs> that, that, that's amazing. And then, of course, there's the billboard guy that um, I know yeah. may not be directly related, but you definitely are close friends with, with him, right? Yeah, yeah, he's one of my good friends. He's also another guy that um, I made friends with over the years. And when we launched the business, he just said, I want in. He was like, I want to come work for you. And I was like, really? And he lived down in Surrey. And he just got in his car, packed his bags, and he moved up north and he joined us. He was like, I just want part of it. Um, so yeah, he's a crazy guy, but it's fun. <laughs> That's mad. And then obviously, you, you, you've got digital PR examples as well, which is showcasing all of these uh, 
great piece of work that you're doing. So if you don't mind telling us a bit more about that as well. Yeah, sure. So when I used to work at the old company, so before I even started my own, um, I was constantly Googling campaigns and brands to get inspiration. And if I'm completely honest, it was really hard to find inspiration and like it took a lot of my time to kind of get it out there and, and chat, share it with my team so then we can come up with our own ideas. Um, and I started to create alerts um, so that when ASOS did something cool or misguided or Gymshark, the, I was the first to know. So it, was the, it came straight into my inbox. So I knew what, what every brand was doing. So I built up my profile because I was the first to share it on my LinkedIn or Twitter say, look at what Gymshark are doing or look at what ASOS are doing. And so we built my profile. And I thought, actually, I used to find this hard for inspiration years ago. So why don't I create an inspiration hub, like a community? So I created digital PR examples on Twitter. Um, I actually did it anonymously, so none of my colleagues knew. Like my best friend who works in the industry, he didn't know either. He's like, oh, have you seen that account that's gone live? I was like, yeah, I wonder who that is. <laughs> like I completely lied. But the reason that I did it anonymously is because I didn't want people to think I was doing it to make myself famous or to make myself money or like it was a selfish reason because it weren't it was purely to help others so if I remained anonymous it were it weren't me bragging it weren't me showing off mm. it was pure no one knew who it was so it was a genuine move um so I remained anonymous anonymous but then somebody actually kind of pretty much hacked the account and revealed who it was. I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> it was the billboard guy. That he hacked it. <laughs> yeah, he went, I know it's you, I found out. I was like, oh, oh damn. Damn it. <laughs> it. <laughs> but I think that's good though. Like it, it proves that if you really do sort of live, live in the world that you're sort of working in, it it, it helps so, so much. Like, like you said, you're oh, PR, SEO. if you're actually living amongst that every single day, it, it helps, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's all about kind of um, one of the things that I think helped us grow the most is being in the know. Hmm. So I, I still to this day, I have the alerts set up to my inbox. So every single brand, you name it, whether they're big, small, medium, over in the US or in the UK, whenever they do something, I get an alert into my inbox. It's quite hard because I don't really have a kind of like work-life balance. It means like I might get a ping at three in the morning and I'm straight away awake looking at my inbox. Um, but yeah, it means that it is your advantage. I take it to our advantage, if that makes sense. As in like, I'm, I'm in the know of what everyone's doing and I can help that apply those learnings to our own campaigns. And that's kind of our unique skill set and USP, I guess. And, and like, obviously everything you're saying here, just screaming success, screaming, like doing well. Um, so if you, if you could give some advice for young people, much like, much like you, who are looking to start their own company somehow, no matter what area it's in, if you could try and wrap up one bit of advice for them, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Um, I think the best piece of advice, which I swear down on in terms of the reason that we've got to where we are today, it's build up your personal brand. So a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to build up my brand's brand um, and, you know, build them up on social and et cetera. But people actually buy into the people behind it. So you might see, um, obviously, you kind of take a look at Facebook, take a look at Gymshark, take a look at Pretty Little Thing. What do they have behind it? And it's, it's an owner that everyone knows. Everyone wants to be around. So like Umar Kamani, the owner of Pretty Little Thing, he has... I think millions of followers on Instagram, he's cool, he drives nice cars. People want part of that. People want part of Umar Kamani's life. So they buy into Pretty Little Thing. Same with Gymshark, the Gymshark owner, he lives and breathes 
Gymshark. He he wears it every single day on his Instagram. He's there, you know, Instagram live in his kind of fitness activity. And building up your personal brand is the step one to everything. And that's what I did. So people knew me as the person that, you know, had crazy digital PR campaign ideas. She, I was always tweeting and sharing, oh, look what ASOS are doing. And I think I got to several hundred, no, I don't know how many thousand followers or whatever on LinkedIn, um, that when I launched my business, I'd already got my community. I'd already got my audience. People knew that I was good at what I did. So personal brand is, is absolutely everything. Um, definitely, and the best way to do that is sharing advice, sharing tips, um, sharing knowledge, being part of the community, meet people. Um, but yeah, focus on your personal brand first and then, and then your business brand second. 100%. And I think you mentioned LinkedIn there. I think to build a personal brand, especially if you are going to be putting out stats and facts, figures, and sort of really showing off the work you're doing, I think LinkedIn is like a perfect platform for that, but probably better than all the rest, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. And also, so like I that's what helped me with LinkedIn mainly because their algorithm, oh God, I can say it then, their algorithm works in a different way. So um, like with Instagram and Twitter, you have to kind of be following an account to see their work unless it's on the kind of discover side. Um, whereas on LinkedIn, absolutely anyone in the world can see your content and their algorithm works in a different way. And it's quite easy kind of to get a lot of likes on LinkedIn if you kind of work out what sort of content gets liked. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the platform that helped me the most. Definitely. So like I said, screaming success. Um, I'm so <laughs> glad I've sort of found you like back in 20, whatever it was, when I was looking online and I was I literally just typing in uh, the Apprentice Audition, hoping that I sort of meet someone else who's going. So yeah, really glad I, I found you. But, but what's next for you? Because I've obviously seen you develop personally over those like year and a bit. But what is, what's next for yourself and the team? Yeah, sure. So um, 22 staff um, in Sheffield and London. Um, we're actually growing Sheffield even bigger. So we've, we've hired three people this week, um, which is insane. And it's a bit crazy, especially during lockdown and Corona. People are like, oh, you know, how's the business? And I'm like, I hate to admit it's going really well. Like I hate admitting it and I feel bad. Um, but we are having to hire it in extreme rate. But that's because with the whole Corona stuff, people are relying on website more than store now. So they need us more than ever. So that's definitely a, a win for us. Um, but yeah, just grow um, continuously. We're looking at investing in London more. So we're going to be growing our creative side in London and US. So we're looking at expanding in US in the next two years, which is going to be exciting. Um, and yeah, just keep on going, really. We're investing more into the Rise at Seven brand. So we have a new office that we're opening for 40 staff in Sheffield. Um, and we're making it the sexiest office you've seen. Um, it's going to have like a roll top bath in the middle of the room. It's going to have a beer pong table, you name it. So we want to create that amazing culture for our staff. Um, so yeah, that, that's the next thing for Rise. It, it seems like that like, a lot of the business is sort of, the strengths come from the team and the unity and sort of branding and just, it's just the bubbliness of it all. So how, like you mentioned there, the coronavirus lockdown, how are you managed to sort of keep that together as well as obviously the day-to-day -day business stuff? How are you managing to sort of piece it together still? Yeah, that's been really difficult. So obviously we're working from home at the minute. Um, we, every single day, the, me and the team speak over WhatsApp and Slack and Google Hangouts, et cetera. Um, Friday evenings, we've been having drinks with them. So we'll all just get a glass of wine and just have a chat. Um, we have 
a WhatsApp group where we're constantly sending each other funny gifts, funny stories, campaigns. It is, it has been difficult. And there's a few members of staff that have maybe felt a bit down, felt a bit lonely. And because I think the way that we thrive is off people. So it has impacted us massively. Um, but yeah, we're all dying to get back into the office. Somebody actually asked me, they're like, oh, you know, do you think Rise of Seven are going to, you know, go into working from home now because that might be the future of business. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> because we thrive off being together. That's, that's what it's all about and um, the culture and stuff. So yeah, it's been difficult, but the only ways to get around it, I guess, is just bringing everyone together through different online things. And we, we're actually, I know I spoke to you about it the other day, we're getting everybody merch that we're going to send to their houses and um, a couple of different gifts. We keep selling, sending each other like little gifts and stuff to their house. Yeah. So yeah, it's just keeping them excited, really, and loving their job still. <laughs> Sounds great. Final question <laughs> for me, and then I'll give you the floor to talk about whatever you want to talk about and all your plans. No Bit of a hard-hitting one, I know. But would you want your legacy to be, once all this is sort of developed a bit further and down the line, would you want your legacy to be? Oh, wow, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, my legacy. Um, I think it's interesting, this. I was on a webinar the other day, and a guy said to me, um, do you know what, Carrie, like, I, I remember when you first said, announced that you're starting this and weren't offended but I was a little bit like hmm but he said you know you're a young 26 year old lass that's a bit bubbly and thought she's got a lot of passion but she's not going to do it and I think I proved them wrong you know as in like oh yeah you all think that but I'm definitely screwed on I know what I'm doing um but I think my legacy that I want to do is the fact that I changed SEO up, I want—I made it sexy. That's what I've always said. I've always said, I want to make SEO sexy because historically it hasn't been. And I want to create a work environment and a industry or a, a business that creates FOMO. So like we're having, I think we've had over 80 job applications in the last two weeks because people just want to work here. I want to create that. And I aspire to people like um, Social Chain, so Stephen Bartlett's yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he created Fear of Missing Out. Everybody wanted to work at Social Chain. There was people that used to backpack from London up to Manchester and camp in the office because they just wanted to work there. Wow. And that's what I want to create, but in SEO, because social, so, the social media industry is fun, it's always been sexy, but nobody really took a rein on it. And that's what he did, whereas the exact same hap is happening with SEO. I know I'm another one of those business people that says they want to create the next social chain. But I think for me, I don't want to create the next social chain. I just want to create Rise at 7 to be the best, really. Hmm. No, definitely, just from what I've seen personally, it seems like you're definitely on, on, on the right track. Probably almost even there without you perhaps realising. It definitely seems from like, outsiders looking in, it, it seems really good. And yeah, there's definitely an element of FOMO because I'm, I'm trying to follow all of you. <laughs> on every single social media account so I don't miss out because I'm trying to emerge myself into this world. So yeah, best of luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, final thing then, the floor is yours. If there's anything you sort of feel like we missed out or anything you want to say to the audience or anything you want them to go do, for example, look at your pages, floor's yours. Um, I'm just trying to think. 
there's anything. No, I think we pretty much covered everything, I guess. The only sort of um, things I'd say is obviously if you're ever looking to get into digital marketing, SEO, content, PR, you name it, social media, then follow me on Carrie Rose PR. So that's what I'm called on every channel, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn, you name it. That's what my, I've created a bit of a brand for myself. Everyone calls me just Carrie Rose PR. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you can follow me on there, but if you've got an idea, if you've got a dream, just go for it. And one piece of advice someone gave to me, there was this guy who is a multimillionaire over in the US. He dropped me a message recently and I was like, wow. He just DM'd me on LinkedIn and he said, um, ignore the limiting belief of others um, because you're on a different path to them. And I was like, that's good. Because one thing that I have faced growing a business so fast is a lot of negativity. You will see a lot if you do grow something quite cool and something that maybe stirs thing up in your things up in your industry. You will get a lot of not hate but trolls and comments and people don't like it. Um, and you might get knocked down a bit. And he said, ignore all of that because you're on a complete different path. And that was a nice piece of advice. So I thought I'd share that out with everybody else. No, that's great. Like I said, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, you share some great like. Uh, Great quotes as well, um, and yeah, great, great pieces of advice. So yeah, thank you very much. Um, like I said, I wish you all the best of luck, and yeah, I think you're probably closer to sort of hitting the heights that you want to hit without probably realising, like I said. So yeah, best of luck. Thank you. Oh, amazing. No, thank you. Amazing to meet you, and hopefully we can go for a cocktail in London or something when this is all over. Yeah, if it's over, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. Bye. If only they knew the hub for young business minds.